Gospel of John, picking up at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. After this, Jesus and his disciples, they went out into the, into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem, because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, Jordan the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. In John 3.27, we continue, To this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. The joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as, as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. But no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Together, I would like to encourage us to really focus in on on John 3, 36. Verses 3, 36, and also 3, 35. When we think of John chapter 3, our hearts and our minds always go towards John 3, 16, and for good reason. It's one of the best that there is. But in uncertain times, and in moments of wavering, and in the moments of frustration, Sometimes we need to have a little bit more encouragement to know not only that God loves the world and he sent his son to redeem us and save us and love us, we also need to be reminded that the father loves the son 
and he's placed everything in his hand. I'd like to open with prayer and reflection on our scripture today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. And please calm all of our spirits and the weariness and the trouble and the brokenness and the sadness and help us to know, God, right now, at this very moment, you have placed everything in the hands of Jesus. And please, God, let that word, that truthful word about the power of your Son and the majesty of your Son, Jesus, reach into our hearts and comfort us today. Lord, you invite us to see the light and walk in the light. To walk with Jesus as our Lord and our King. God, you call us to be born again. And Lord, we know we need it. And we, we know we need you. And so today I ask that you would comfort us and that you would come into our homes and you would give us peace and en encouragement knowing that Christ is Lord and King. We ask God that you would turn our hearts to you. We ask, God, that you would help us to see you in everyday moments. Remind us that things are in your hands, that you are trustworthy and true. And we ask, God, that you would comfort us in all of this, knowing, knowing that you will come again, knowing that you will make the world right, knowing that you have the power and strength to heal us and help all of your creation. Comfort us, God, as we gather together here and in our homes. And we ask, God, that you would fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our lives, the one who sent his son to redeem and save us. We trust in you, God, and we give you our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. In John chapter 3, the opening story is a man named Nicodemus coming in the, uh, in the late in the, into the evening. He was a man of prestige. He was a man of education and importance. And when he arrives at night, there's speculation that, that he's doing so, so as not to raise suspicion and cause his own problems. Nicodemus is wondering, and he knows that there is something special about Jesus. He says, you are doing things that the only explanation is that you are from God, and you are doing something incredible. And so Jesus tells him that he has to be born again. And Nicodemus is challenged by this statement because he, you know, he says, you know, well, how does one become born again you can't go back into your mother's womb, and he's taking things very literal. And when we, when we read the text, we kind of think, okay, Nicodemus is kind of a dummy. And that's not what's happening. Nicodemus is actually quite intelligent, and uh, you wouldn't reach that status in the Jewish culture if you were a dummy. So he has his wits about him, and I think that what he is proposing is the same thing that we have going on in our lives every day and what we sort of wrestle with, and it's a worldview. It's a worldview about accolades and achievement. If you, were to, if you were to think about right now, this moment, 
who it is that is successful and has lived a good life. You might think, because it's popular right now, if you think the most successful basketball player in history, you would think about the ESPN special and Chicago Bulls and a guy by the name of Michael Jordan. And you may have heard him. Heard of him. I named my dog after him. And uh, that, that's an inside joke story that's delightful, and I can make fun of myself later. But, uh, 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 but Michael Jordan, we would say, look at his, his success and his achievements. Look at the status of his life. When Nic Nicodemus goes to Jesus and he finds out that in order to really come to God and have life in the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Nicodemus is struck by the statement because we have always been told and we have always believed that to find life is finding it in achievement and accomplishment. How much wealth we have, what achievements we have in our work and in our status and our social status. We might even think about life in terms of our racial background and what we could truly achieve just by perspective of whether we are male, whether we are white, whether we fit into the right categories in order to have success and achievement and importance in the world. We look through the world through this lens that says in order to be something, in order to arrive, in order to have life, in order to fit into God's kingdom, we have to check all of these boxes and then maybe we will find life. And Jesus offers it a completely different perspective. A completely different look at things than the way Nicodemus and then the way the rest of the world has sort of always operated. And he says, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus doesn't understand because it's always been about achievement and success. And Jesus says, it's, instead of that, it's about what you're willing to surrender. What if I told you that your life really matters when you learn to surrender at all? And that's what I think John chapter 3 is about. It's about surrender. It's about surrendering control. Surrendering our hearts. Surrendering our wealth. Surrendering our security. Surrendering all of these things. To Jesus Christ the one who has everything in control, the one who has everything in his hands. It's an invitation to surrender. Now, I was reflecting on this a little bit this morning, thinking, do, am I willing to practice what I'm preaching? Which, you know, isn't a, a good thing to do, you know. It, it prevents hypocrisy. And, and truth be told, I would like to say, you know, that I have learned to surrender my life to Christ and give my life to Him, that I know what it means to be born in the water and spirit and trusting in the spirit. Jesus describes it like it's the wind that's moving, and it's sort of indescribable sort of movements. It's inexplicable. You feel it. You know what's there, and it will take you to wherever it wants to guide you. And at the end of chapter 3, John, John's commentary says that God pours out his spirit without, like, he, it's just overflowing. And we can anticipate that God's spirit is applied liberally to our lives and it's at work. And I wonder just how much I'm willing to let God have control. My brain has worked 
quite a bit of overtime in the midst of all of this, and pretty much unnecessarily. Like, I don't know why I have to feel like I need to become an epidemiologist to understand what we need to do next. I don't know why I need to analyze data that I've never once analyzed before, but after 30 minutes of it, I feel like I'm an expert and can share it on Facebook. I don't know why I feel like I can figure all of these things out with my limited knowledge base and my ability to Google. But this is how my brain has been operating. And I've been go, 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 trying to work really hard to plan things out and figure things out. And I don't know if it's an addiction to work, an addiction to trying to fix things. and it, I don't know what it is. Probably just being a control freak. Well, Thursday morning, Wednesday night, you know, we, we just had an awesome night of serving the community, and I was just really excited about the opportunity to serve and encourage people. And I was coming off of that, and at 1 in the morning, so Wednesday night, Thursday morning, whatever you want to call it, at 1 in the morning, my dog starts barking like crazy. And it's like, what in the world's going on? So I go downstairs. And there are, there's people walking down the middle of 19, and there's a cat, and my dog is going nuts. And so I, I close the curtain, and the dog calms down, and it's like, okay, I'm going to go back to bed. Well, the next morning I wake up, it's, it's 6 in the morning. I go to open the curtain, and as I open it, it just causes enough friction, then the curtain rod pops out, swings down, and it hits me in the face. Like like that, like it was just in a moment, I got nailed right in the face, and I broke my tooth, and I had tooth on my tongue, and w one thing, just, you know, it was like, one, I didn't swear, so I feel like God's improving me in my life, but I was mad, it was just like, what in the world just happened? And it's like, God, why did, I, why did that happen? You know, you start crying out to God. It's like, what did I do to deserve this, you know? Well, sure enough, with everything going on and insurance and all that nonsense, I can't get my tooth fixed until Thursday. And so I've been, you know, walking around like a goofball, I guess, for a couple of days. But anyways, I tell all that story, one, because it's a good story, but, uh, but two, reflecting on my life, it was sort of this wake-up call that things are just totally out of control and there's nothing I can do about it. Like if I could control things, curtain rods wouldn't pop out magically out of your window and crack you in the face at 6 in the morning. And if I can't control that, then why on earth would I think that in the grand scheme of all of the things that are going on, that I can control who gets COVID-19 and who doesn't, that I know... All all the conspiracies and all the things that are happening and aren't happening. That I could figure all of this out and yet keep a curtain rod from smacking me in the face. And so then it's just kind of like dialing back. What do we have control over? And what we have control over and what John 3 is telling us, what John 3 is teaching us, is that there is one who is in control. And what we can control is whether or not we respond to him and his love and the light, or if we pay attention to the darkness and give our lives over to it. 
The only thing I can control is whether or not I'm willing to surrender my life to Jesus. If I'm going to surrender myself to His love and to His, His grace and His mercy for me. And it's the only thing that you can control. Is your response to the gospel and the good news that says God loved the world so much that He sent His Son. And He sent His Son as a gift to us. And He sent His Son as a gift to the world that we might be redeemed and saved and have life with Him. A couple of years ago, my parents uh, were gracious to us and they, they allowed me to take my family piano from home and, and bring it to our home here. And I've shared with you about the piano before and just what it has meant to me, but I was thinking in, uh, and reflecting on John 3 and thinking about the idea of a double gift. And I'm not talking about re-gifting, like re-gifting the fruitcake at Christmas, but like something that sort of has a, a double gift or something that's sort of ongoing gift to you. And the piano was a, a gift to me as a young boy and to my brothers and I as, uh, as we were taught how to play the piano and enjoyed learning that for years and years. And then to come away from it for a while and then to have it back in my home has been a real delight to me. And it's been this gift to us because, one, it's allowed me the opportunity to return to playing it. It's a gift to be enjoyed, a gift to be played and, and make music with. And I clunk through it. I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy playing it. I enjoy that my wife, she gets to play it. And I enjoy that my children, they're intrigued by it. And, and they show a great deal of musical ability. And I think they get it from my side of the family. And, uh, and so it, it's, the, um, it's this delightful thing that sort of keeps on giving. In John's, in John's gospel, he is advocating to us that there is a gift to us that's meant to be enjoyed. There's a, the gift of the Son, and there's also the gift of the life that he brings. And I think that the gospel has been lost when it is just about the Son being given and not about the life also that's meant to be enjoyed. We need to believe that John 3.16 is a double gift. A gift of life in Jesus. The gift of the Son that's meant to be enjoyed and lived. And we live in the reality knowing the end of chapter 3 says that this Son that has given His life is also the Son who reigns and keeps everything in control. And what this text is telling us and what we are challenged by is what, where it starts and where it begins with Nicodemus at night. With Nick at night, that's, sorry for that cheesy little thing, and uh, plenty of preachers have done it. I'm just falling in line. With Nick at night, he comes and he proposes this question, and he wants to know how do you find life. And Jesus says you find it by what you're willing to surrender. By being born again, by being born in water and spirit and starting all over again, life is found. Life is found in what you're willing to surrender. And challenged by that, there's someone in John chapter 3 that understands precisely about surrender. 
guy by the name of John the Baptist, and people come to him and they say, hey, John, uh, you haven't achieved and you aren't as successful as what this Jesus guy is doing right now. Your ministry doesn't measure up to what, to what Jesus is doing now. And John says, that's the whole point, guys. The whole point has been that I would decrease and he would in- increase. The whole point has been that I would surrender and that he would reign. And it's all about him. And it's all about his glory. And it's all about what he's doing to bring life and salvation and hope and mercy and love. John the Baptist understood what we all need to understand. That Jesus must increase and I must decrease. That life does not consist in my achievements and my accolades. But my life consists in the achievements and the accolades of Jesus Christ. Because life comes by fixing our eyes on the Son of Man hung on the cross. And we fix our eyes on Him. We can't control what's going on. And we might think we know something. And we might feel like we can figure it all out. And I'm here to warn you that the curtain rods are coming for you. Don't be a dummy like me. And trust and know there there is one who is control, in control. Because God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And He didn't send His Son into this world to condemn it, but to save it through Him. Will you believe in the gospel of light? Will you believe and fix your eyes on Him? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love you, and in moments of uncertainty, remind us, remind us, remind us to fix our eyes on you. You are our hope and our salvation. You are the light of the world, a light in the midst of the darkness, a light in the midst of suffering and sadness and brokenness and hurt. And God, in the midst of our freaking out, in the midst of our sadness and our sorrow, in the midst of our anger and our frustration, in the midst of all of our heartache and sadness, God, I'd ask that you would reach out to our hearts today, right now, and remind us of your love. Remind us of your Son. Remind us. Help us fix our hearts and our eyes on you. You are so good to us, God, and so patient and filled with mercy and love. We thank you and we praise you that your son wasn't sent to condemn but to save. So God, we reach to you and we ask for you, for your spirit to move and change and challenge and correct and guide and help us. We love you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
Nicodemus was given a choice of whether or not he would believe in Jesus and be born again. And the invitation is for all time from Christ to us that we would know that there can be life in the name of Jesus Christ. That he is the light of the world and there are those who respond to the light and those who stay in the dark. You don't have to stay in the dark any longer and you can come and be born again. And you can have life in the Spirit of Christ. We invite you as a congregation to find when we can return to, uh, to gathering together uh, in, a, in a much larger gathering. We, we want you to be a part of our church family, but more importantly, we want you to find life in the kingdom of God and a life in Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more, the invitation is to you and to know that there is life for you in Jesus. So we offer this to you as a free gift that's meant to be enjoyed. A gift of life and a gift of forgiveness for each day. We would love to share with you more. Please reach out and connect with us. Thank you, and God bless you.